It's always a blessing <clears throat> to see someone make their decision to follow Jesus all the way. And <clears throat> while I won't be here for the future baptisms of those that have made decisions, my message today is really directed at Connie and the others that have made decisions to follow Christ, um, Kevin and others that are here. And before I, I launch into my message this morning, I do want to acknowledge uh, some of our guests that I would like to entrust to the church's collective heart. Um, and I hope they don't get offended that I do this, but Shannon and Sidra missed out on part of our meetings because they didn't, they got sick. And they're here today. Um, Shannon, do you mind just raising your hand just so that I apologize if I'm putting you on the spot. Thank you so much. But they are future members of this church. I just want to let you know that. And I just want you to just embrace them, make them feel welcome. And I'm so grateful that they're feeling better and we're able to make it with us today. Today, I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to open to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9, and I want to ask you to look with me starting at verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And I want to ask you to notice what the Bible says here. Luke chapter 9, verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now, any Christian that makes such a statement of faith could be commended for the willingness to surrender and follow Jesus in a, such an unreserved way. Notice that he says, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And one would think that upon hearing these words that Jesus would have been perhaps uh, thrilled, thankful, affirmative of such a statement of faith. And yet in verse 58, we find Jesus' response... And some might consider it cool. Some might consider it a bit of a standoffish reply. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. 
Now, that answer may seem strange. Until you understand who it was that came to Jesus in verse 57, in that timeless classic on the life of Christ called The Desire of Ages, we are told that this particular person, the man in verse 57, was none other than the disciple Judas. And Judas was sincere. Please don't miss that. When Judas said, Jesus, wherever you go, I will follow you, I believe that Jesus knew that Judas was sincere in what he was saying. But Jesus' reply indicates that Jesus knew something about the motive of why Judas had come. You see, when Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay His head, what Jesus was trying to explain to Judas is, I know that you believe that I am about to set up a kingdom. And I know that in your desire to connect yourself with me, you believe that by so doing, you will find yourself with a high position in this new kingdom. But Jesus wanted Judas to know, Judas, my kingdom is not of this world. And by telling him of his obvious and apparent poverty... Jesus wanted to dash the hopes that Judas might have of following Jesus out of the motivation of having a place in a temporal earthly kingdom. I want to ask you a simple question this morning. It's actually afternoon, sorry about that. <laughs> but I want to ask you a simple question. I want to ask you, why do you follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? Now, I'm about to use an example that <clears throat> requires on my part some guesswork, but I'm going to share the story with you as I experienced it. I was at a large camp meeting. And at this particular event, they didn't just have, you know, volunteer musicians. They hired a praise team. And when I say they hired one, not only were there maybe 15 or 20 people in this praise team, but they had an amazing, amazing collection of talented people. I mean, just people that could have easily transitioned into, you know, the, the, the secular realm of music, people in every aspect that were talented and obviously because they were being paid professional musicians. And given that the camp meeting was in a, in a, on a closed campus, it was very evident that, you know, everybody kind of saw, you know, who these people were. In a way, they kind of were 
for lack of a better word, like in a very elite team. They traveled together, they ate together. And interestingly, because whenever there was a, a, a musical program, they, did, they handled all of the music, but when it was time for the message, when it was time for the, the sermons, they all left. They never attended any of the programming. And, you know, you, you know at first I thought maybe it's because they're practicing. You know, there's so much music that they have to do. So, but it turns out that even on the highlight of the Sabbath presentation, as soon as it was done, they packed up and they just left. It turns out they were just hanging out in their room. They weren't actually interested in any of the, what's the term? of the, the, the preaching. They weren't interested in that. Now, I have seen this in other places, and that is people whose talents are evident. You know, they come to church, and they are there in that position. They're doing something. But if that wasn't there, if there was no music, if you weren't the director of fill-in-the-blank, if you weren't in charge of fill-in-the-blank, would you still follow Jesus? Would you still come? Would you still be willing to participate even if you didn't have any of those other things? I want to ask you today, why do you follow Jesus? Because sometimes it's possible that a person could follow Jesus for an ulterior motive, just like Judas. I, I got to say this because I know this is a true story. <clears throat> My parents had a church they regularly attended, and one day an attorney came and in a few weeks, he said, you know, I want to be a member. And he did. He became a member. Now, this was an ethnic minority church. It was a Korean church. And after he joined, he said to the pastor, Pastor, I want to ask you to set me up with one of the women in this church. Well, it's a true story, by the way. But what you have to know is that in Korean culture, the pastor is not just the pastor. Sometimes he's like the matchmaker. That's not uncommon in Korean society, okay? And pastor said, hey, that, I, I can't do that. I don't know you that well, and I'm not about to, you know. And so he said, no, no, I, I don't think I'm, I'm qualified to do that. And then a few weeks later, the attorney just left. I ask this question only because it's possible to follow Jesus for an ulterior motive. Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you serve Him? Why do you come week by week? Do you know the purest motive to follow Jesus is because Jesus died for you and you owe Him your life? Anything beyond that, I believe, is legalism or vanity anything beyond that. You owe Him your life because He died for you. I want to ask you to look at the next man mentioned in this passage. It's found in verse 59. And He said unto another, follow me. But He said, Lord, 
suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, it's been brought to my attention that here in this church, we have had a number of families that have experienced the loss of a loved one. And my heart goes out to those that are grieving at this time. As strange as it sounds, the man in this verse actually did not experience the loss of his father just then. Commentators will tell you that the expression, let me first go and bury my father, was a euphemism that existed in the time of Christ. What he really meant was, Jesus, I want to follow you, but let me wait until my father passes away, at which point I will receive my inheritance, at which point I will be financially secure, and then I will follow you. Now, I want you to know that we might look at this man and say, ah, he's, he's insincere, you know, he, he's, he's not willing to follow Jesus, even though Jesus called him. But I want to tell you that many people do the same thing today that this man did. Because what he was in essence waiting for was he was waiting for a better time. He was waiting for security before he devoted himself to the cause of Jesus. How many times have I heard people say, Pastor, I will get more active, but work is really demanding these days. When it slows down, then I will be there to help you. I've heard students say, you know, when I graduate, that's when I'm going to be more involved in mission work. I've heard other people say, when I retire, that's when I'm going to give to da 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 You know, folks, I want to say this to you. None of us are ever guaranteed tomorrow. And so the danger in thinking, I will wait for a better time to follow Jesus is a deception. Because as a student, as a worker, as a retiree, there is no better time to serve Jesus than right now. And let me tell you, what Jesus said to this man He said, let the dead bury their dead. If you've attended the seminar, you know that the dead cannot do anything because they're dead and they don't know anything. By the way, if that's not clear to you, please check out our website. We have a great sermon listed there. But anyway, uh, you know, what Jesus meant is let the spiritually dead handle that issue of taking care of your father's estate. But then he said to the man, but you go and what? Preach the kingdom of God. May I say to you that today in this world, there are literally millions of people that can do the exact same thing that you are doing right now. With my luck, there's someone in here that is probably like one of a kind that no one else can do. But anyway... (laughs) um, You know, the truth is that Jesus is saying, look, let the spiritually dead handle those worldly tasks that anybody else can do. 
But he's saying, because you know the truth, you go and you preach the kingdom of God. And friend, I'm sure that if you're an engineer, your engineering job is simply to pay the bills because your life work is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you know who William Carey was. He was a missionary to India. I believe he translated the Bible into the language of the people of India. But William Carey was originally a shoe repairman, a cobbler. He lived in London, but he was a soul winner even in London. And he had a shoe shop, and it had a sign above the shoe shop that said, I cobble shoes to pay expenses, but souls are my business. And I want to tell you, if you're a nurse, yeah, any, there's enough nurses in the world, but if you know the truth, the nursing job is to pay the bills, but souls should be your business. If you're a teacher, yes, there are plenty of teachers in the world, but you know the truth, and so the teaching is just to pay the bills, but souls should be your business. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. There's other people that don't know the truth. Let them deal with those things. But your primary job is to preach the kingdom of God. Souls should be our business. The third man in this story was equally sincere when he said to Jesus. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Now, this almost seems like a reasonable thing. Because he said, Jesus, I will follow you. But the problem is, there's one word in this particular verse that makes it all wrong. And that one word is the word first. He said, let me go first. Now, folks, let me tell you why. Because Jesus said, seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God. You see, in every person's life, a question comes, what are my priorities? What's most important to me? And when Jesus calls you to follow Him, your calling as a Christian precedes every other calling that this life can offer. Every other calling. It comes before family. Let me, let me say this in a way that may, may be applicable for some of you. It comes before your boyfriend and girlfriend. It comes before work. In other words, when we follow Jesus, that has to take precedence over everything else. And notice what Jesus said when this man said, hey, let me go bid them farewell. Jesus said, no man having put his hands to the plow and doing what? Looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Friends, the title of my message today is Don't Look Back. And you know, I believe that when we follow Christ, the devil will do everything 
to try to pull us back into our old life of sin. I don't know, but I'm going to guess that this week bacon is on sale at Safeway. I, I don't know, I don't know, but you understand. In other words, the devil is going to try to pull you back from the convictions that you received because he wants to keep you from following Jesus first. And so I appeal to Connie, to Kevin, to Rose, to Kimmer, to, Fra to Frank, to all the young people that have made decisions, to Shannon, to Sidra, and to all of you. Don't look back. If you've begun following Jesus, if you have begun this journey of faith, forget all the things that are behind you and keep your eyes fixed on the prize. I want to tell a short story. There was a young man that was a hired hand on a farm. Now, this is back in the day when they used plows. And his boss asked him or tasked him with the job of plowing a field. Now, today, we have giant eight-wheel tractors that are guided by GPS that require the operator to simply sit in the cab and listen to the radio. <laughs> but back then, it was hard work. And uh, they actually had to really pay attention but the boss said, hey, I want you to plow this field and get it ready for planting season. And so the hired hand went out. He had one of those animals that pulled a plow. And as he plowed up the field, somewhere midway through his work, the boss came and noticed that the work was horrible. It was terrible. The furrows ran in kind of a crooked pattern, and it wasn't an efficient use of space. And he said, listen, you're not doing a good job here. He said, listen, here's what you do. He said, you point the plow at a point in the distance, and if you aim the plow every time, at the end, every furrow will be perfectly straight. Hired hand said, okay. So he started all over again. He got on the back of that plow. He pointed it at his point, and he started plowing furrow by furrow. At some point, however, the, over, the, the boss, the overseer, came by and noticed that now the furrows were very winding, like just like, whoa, really, really, really bad. And he got upset. He said, what's wrong? He said, I told you to point the plow at a specific point in the distance. And the hired hand said, I did. I did what you told me. And he said, well, how is it? Why is it like this? What were you aiming at? He said, I aimed at the goats in the next field. <laughs> now, we laugh and, you know, we chuckle at that. But, you know, folks, practically speaking, when you start following Jesus, it's too easy to set your eyes on a moving mark. And so to all of you here today, don't look at your pastor, although I will say this, you have a great pastor, okay, but don't look at him because he's not the, he is not the example that God has set for us. Don't look at the elders or the deacons or the director of this department or that department. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, 
you will make your work straight. And when Jesus comes, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Friends, I have to tell you that in every church, there are wonderful people. By the way, in every church, there are some weird people too, okay? <laughs> but that's not the reason why. The reason why we come, the reason why we do what we do is because we are here to serve and follow Jesus. And so today, my admonition for the Beaverton Adventist Church is be faithful. Don't look back. Jesus is coming soon. Take good care of these newborns, I could say, because God has entrusted them to you. And someday, if you're faithful and if I'm faithful, we'll see each other again. And until that day, let's do all that we can to win souls for Jesus. As we close today, I want to invite Janine to come up. She's going to share a song with us. And after she does, I'd like to have a closing word of prayer. Janine, please.
are so thankful for Jesus. And Lord, today we've witnessed the dedication and the commitment of those that have made their step, their stand. I pray that as we go from this place, each of us would be reminded of that day when we also made our commitment with you. And that you would reaffirm to us the calling that you've placed on our lives. And that we would be faithful to serve you. Thank you for the gift of the Sabbath. Continue to bless us on your holy day. For we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.